All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Uh, you're listening to You Suck with Al and Tom. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. We need to get some more voiceovers for that because as much as I love that, um, we could do it loads of, yeah? No, never. I mean, we can do it anyways, but n- like if you ever recommend that we change that, I would I would cry. No, no, so no, happy. just to alternate, you know? Because I mean, we've got a guy with a very sultry, nice Irish accent and I'd love to get, get a bit of Irish accent on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or do you know be a great idea? Using Billy West. Oh, we just ring, we just hound him with more emails. Can we do another one? Can we do another oh, one? What, what would you want to do? Exactly oh the same, Billy. <laughs> just do the same. Don't change a thing. Just do the same over and over again. It makes me, it just makes me really happy. Just like every time, like you, you press the start button, dude. You press that fucking thing. And it reminds me, brings me back to that one glorious second when we got to talk to our hero. And don't worry, we've talked to a lot of heroes, but Billy West, like I, I still, when I get bored, I throw on Futurama. <clears throat> I knew that yesterday I chose The Simpsons over, over Futurama, which is a weird Ooh, pull. Weird mm. pull. Um, mm. Really quickly, just because we don't have a lot of time. Fucking, um, do you ever find that sometimes things are so powerful that they can make you like things you never intended to like? And uh, I need a bit more context for that. Explain. Okay. So, Moon Knight trailer. Moon, Moon Knight trailer. The Amazing, Moon Knight right? trailer. Okay. Yes. Okay. I That that song in it is, is Kud Kudai, Kid Kudi, whatever. Kid, Kid Kudi. Kid Cooties. Um, I, I, that song came out 10 years ago. I could care fucking less. That song came out 10 years ago. The Moon Knight trailer comes out, and I've listened to that song at least 30 times, 40 times, if not more. Yeah. It's the same as like um, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy came out, and everyone was like, Hey, hey, yes, yes, <laughs> dude, they are so good at making music that, like, you know, a lot of people like, don't worry, there's plenty of people that like that song. It, it, just judging by like the comments on YouTube, people love that kid could I saw and the people love the fucking hey, hey. <laughs> like people like it, not us. We're not those guys. It's the same thing with like Seth McFarlane kind of tricked a bunch of dudes our ages to like musicals, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. um and um South Park as well. Mm. Absolutely you know? good poll. Good poll. I can't believe mm. that wasn't my first poll. That's a very good poll. Fucking fucking cows, mom's a bitch, big bad bitch, biggest bitch. Big old bitch and she has to have you watched any of the post COVID stuff? No, because um I need to work out which order it goes in. And I've you know, like you, you've I get like an hour here and a couple of hours here. I don't want to waste it looking for stuff. Mm. You know, there's um, there's so many things to waste your time on right now. So many times. And according to the internet, um, one of the things not to waste your time on is Book of Fett. A book of Boba Fett's really good, man. And we've we've spoken yeah. about this for the last couple of weeks. And like, I I don't, I still start I still believe that this first one was kind of like a slow build up. But I also said that you kind of need that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really good. What what we're getting at, I mean, like, did did you see episode four yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like I, I know I know it I know it hurts you. I know it hurts you because like the, you recommend amazing shit to me all the time. And I'll be like, yeah, maybe. And I just don't watch it. And then I say things like, oh no, I'm up to date on Book of Fed because the day it comes out, I watch it. 
Um, I know that hurts you on the inside. Does it hurt you on the inside, or am I just thinking that it does? I love that you're up to date with it. I mean, I it took me forever to get you to watch Rick and Morty. It took Dead. me forever. Uh, you still haven't watched Ted Lasso. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but like Book of Fat is one of those shows that me and the wife are on together. So like every Wednesday night, like we grab dinner, we fucking turn it on our show. And like even my youngest is kind of like jumping in. He's like, oh, it's on. He hops in and then he talks to the entire show. And we're like, shut the fuck up. Like, we love you. But get, go. Um, I, I love that. I, like, I, th- I, I know this is controversial. I like him more than Mandalorian. I really do. Ooh. Well, that, I, I is like, a, that is an odd pull. That is an odd pull. I like the um, I like the gangster aspect of it. You know, you know me, man. I I, I love me some fucking Goodfellas, and I love fucking I, I love stories of characters that are kind of like coming back into power or not knowing that they had power. Those are like my jams, which is why I think Moon Knight speaks so much to me because like the whole thing where he picks up the phone, she's like, "Mark, you're alive," and he's like, "Who's Mark?" And like, "Oh my god, I love that so much, dude. It's powerful. It's very powerful. It's it's um." It's like it's like the perfect recipe for a film, isn't it? Um, mm. What's that film? Um, the one with uh, uh, the set is it not the the one where he's got different personalities. Split. Oh, split. Yeah, yeah. Or like split, uh, Wanted. You know? Wanted as well. It's James McAvoy, dude. He's good at that, right? He's good at doing the I have powers or I have personalities. I was talking about that the other day. Last night I was talking about um, uh, what's his name, Star Lord, fucking. Oh, uh, Chris, Chris. Chris Pratt. Uh, Pratt. I almost said Chris Pine. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was chatting with Baz and Sarah. That was around here. We're good friends of mine. Shout out to them guys. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, we were talking about... Um, she was like, I didn't realize Chris Pratt was so ripped and stuff. I was like, yeah, but did you see him in Wanted? He was like, really chubby. And they were like... Dude, he was. That wasn't Chris Pratt. I was like, yes, he fucking was. Yes, it fucking was. <laughs> he got hit with a fucking keyboard. How dare you for not knowing that? That movie... Yeah. Like that movie, it's not fantastic, but it's a good like sit down and let your mind melt for a little bit and watch. Yeah, that's what yeah. that movie's good for. Yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, I think Moon Knight looks good. Uh, it's weird to see um, that accent coming out. <laughs> out of, I um, like, I like that. I like the fact that uh, what's his fucking name? I can't believe I can't remember his name. Um, Oscar uh, Isaac. Oscar Isaac, dude, he's Somehow. getting all the love. He's come back. Somehow. Dude, he's what what was he in before this? Like I know he was in obviously the Mandalorian. He's the Mandalorian. He's fucking no, um, no, no. No, no. Is is he the guy from is, is, he's um he's he's Poe from um Oh duh. Why the fuck who's the who's the Mandalorian then? What am I thinking of this? You're thinking of um oh you fucking <laughs> you done that to me. Yeah, how do yeah, yeah. You go ahead and mock me for not knowing who it is, but you don't know the name off the top of your head. Uh he was in uh, he was in Wonder Woman as well, wasn't he? Um it was in was everything. It? Like he was from oh, the was Narcos, everything. Narcos, and um, oh yeah, duh. Why, I was for a hot second. I was like, man, fucking Disney's just giving him all the jobs. Oscar Isaac's dude, he looks great. Like Oscar Isaac's looks fantastic. Pedro I, Pascal, I, Pedro Pascal is Mandalorian. I have watched very little. Um, I've read very little of of Moon Knight. I've been reading tons of Swamp Thing still, dude. Like I, I plowed through the first five. Um, I want to get Mike Perkins back on talk more about Swamp Thing eventually. Hmm. Um. I read five of the books of um, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, and I I think it'd be really kind of cool to now that I have better knowledge on the whole situation, yeah. um, to kind of like go through with him and what it takes to draw someone as powerful as a god. I, w- I was watching this. There's this new YouTube channel I'm kind of into. It's a comic book. I think it's called Variants, and um, the the guys kind of break down superheroes and the powers and where to look for them in the best comics and the whole you know hit kick caboodle. And they did a thing for uh, Swamp Thing. And it made me like really love because they never quote Kevin Smith 
on there, which is a, which is a fucking shame. He doesn't do a ton of comic book work, which is I understand why they don't pull from him a tiny bit or a bunch, but um, they pulled from uh, Cacophony because mm. Batman brings up Swamp Thing. He brings him up and he's like, you know, fucking he's like, I hope this is, um, you know, Poison Ivy and not another being because last time I fought with him you know, or last time I dealt with him, he was a god or something along those lines. It's really complex. I want to watch the Swamp Thing show, but it's not anywhere I can watch for free. I, I see. I struggle with stuff like that because it's like one series. Like I, I need like. If it's if good, it, if, it end, if it ended on a cliffhanger, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, season two. and they're like, "No, there's no season two. I'd be like, "Oh, did it? Did it end in a cliffhanger, or did they end? Uh, they ran out of money, I think. Oh, they definitely ran out of money. It was too expensive. So there's I, no I like, think, season like, two coming. No. There's no season two, but like, I know that. See, the thing is that that is kind of depressing. I should probably find that out before I start it because it looks great. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. Like, um, but I know that like keeping the swamp like ready to be a swamp for the next season was costing like millions of dollars for them. And they're like, what the fuck? I can't afford yeah. this. This is water. Yeah. Well, this is com- the world of comic books, man. It's a, it's a, it's an expensive thing. Um, uh, our guest is backstage. I'll let him give us a oh. thumbs up when he's ready, when he's ready to join us. Uh, Cause last time <laughs> we brought in Mike Perkins of Swamp Thing fame. Um, and he was like, I'm still eating. And I was like, okay. Sorry, sorry. So um, well, we have really an cool. amazing, so what? is he is he ready? No, no, no. If he's ready, bring him on. But if not, I just want to ask why do you think people hate on uh Book of Fett so much? Like what's your thought? Um, we can we can go through it. I mean, I've got some I've got some tweets here. Um this guy here, so I'm not gonna repeat the names. It had to be named Book of Tuscan Rider. What a mess. Bad acting, slow pace, insignificant plot. I don't even know what the fuck I'm watching. Two out of ten. Um, there's another one here. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett is actually really bad show. It's destroying this character. <laughs> the show is extremely woke from a female Tuscan raider being the strongest, uh, good, and good at everything. And they're tackling political woke shit for a 10. And even okay. like the newspapers, like uh, very quickly, Forbes, yep. the Book of Boba Fett is failing in almost every way. And then The Guardian, uh, the bo- uh, Boba Fett is dead. How Disney Plus ruined Star Wars' coolest character. Like, what no. the fuck? Okay, one, that douchebag, Spidey Guy number five, uh, he had a picture of Tobey Maguire in his thing, so he's already out of the picture. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> second of all, um, there is plenty of uh, historical evidence that proves that there's lots of women warriors in lots of different cultures, so the fact that you know they're pulling from certain things doesn't really make it any less than what they're... That just sounds like, ma- like toxic masculinity at its finest. Um, if you are not, you know, in- if you're not secure enough to have a dick, don't, don't act like one. Um, the Guardian, fuck you. Forbes, fuck you. Um, that's <laughs> well, the thing is with Guardian, <laughs> the Guardian and the Fo- on Forbes is they're talking about cultural sensitivity, right? Tackling cultures sensitively and delicately, like they did in the in Book of Boba Fett, and that's what I loved about it. And they're kind of like, no, 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 we are British, and we we go and we we destroy cultures and make them even more British. Like that's what <laughs> we do. <laughs> You're making so, us uh, more British every day, which is why it surprised me that like um because you guys invented this the series, like the like you know the limited run series. So like I'm surprised that you're so American about your shows where you're like, no, I want more. Give me more. I'm a fat Latin American. Give me more. <laughs> I love it. Um, but we do have we do have an amazing guest. I mean, we, we can capture. We can talk if you know. Maybe maybe. Yeah, we'll do some I want to talk to the guest now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If he's, are, are you good to come in, Steve? Can you give us a thumbs up? Yeah, he's got a thumbs up there. Um, we've got an amazing musician. Uh, not musician. No, magician. 
Absolutely. <laughs> a magician. And like, what I love about magic, and I'll, I'll bring him in, it's, it's very close up, brilliant, clever magic. Um, he's been on TV, a beautiful Irish guy, Mr. Steve Spade. Thank you for coming on the show, Steve. Hey guys, how are you? How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Um, magic is like I, I love magic. I think everyone loves magic. Even people that say they hate magic love magic secretly. <laughs> Who says Nobody. That? Who the fuck says? I, I don't know. I, I know no, people no, hate no, Book no, of no. Fett. People hate magic too, man. People hate everything. People hate Jesus. I don't know, dude. Yeah, okay. I know. I, I've met a lot of people who hate, who hate magic. I think it's the probably not being able to figure it out, and they see it like a puzzle or whatever. Um, and they don't really. I, I, I try to get people to a point where they just enjoy it. And they don't, you know, it's like, it's not like when you're watching a movie and you're like halfway through, you go, oh, that guy's just acting. Let me show you how he, he acts. You don't think that, you know, so I try to get people just to a frame of mind where they just enjoy it. I think they're the same people that like demanded. Do you remember that um, that show they used to do? It was like the masked magician and he would reveal tricks and there was like a, a big hoopla. But I think it's the same people. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, dude. Fucking people like Steve were to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it was kind of a good thing at the time because there was a lot of magicians that were gone very, like, old hat, and they were just doing the same stuff. And I, th I think that was a direct... At the time, I think that guy wanted a TV special. His name was uh, Valentino, I think. Um, but he, he wanted a TV special, couldn't get it. And when the producers, like, give us something new, you know, what do you have for us? He was like, well, I can expose all of Copperfield's tricks or whatever it might be. And, uh, and that's, where they, that's where they had him on TV. I mean, uh, for like, I mean, don't wrong. I I watched it as a kid. I I thought demystify magic was you know kind of cool. It's like wow, that's how they do that. I th do you think that yeah. it did more harm, or do you think it was actually good to benefit future magicians that could like, oh, you can actually do these things. It's not just people like David Copperfield. It's not just people like Harry Houdini that can do this. I could do this too. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I did. There's definitely pros and cons to it. I mean, initially it was a con because. It was, uh, you know, it was just for the guy just wanted publicity. The guy just wanted any way to get on TV, I guess. Um, and he just decided to. I mean, he got outed by by all all the magicians, but people like Copperfield and things that they just changed their act and did did, did new stuff. You know, he didn't reveal. He and, and some of the methods he actually gave away weren't the methods. There are a way you could do it, but they weren't the way it's actually done. So, um, so there was a bit of that as well. So, yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, it was just soft TV. I think everyone kind of just watched it to kind of go, oh. That's how it's done, and then then you go watch The Simpsons. <laughs> you know, there was more... <laughs> I did. It's like yeah, you yeah, my life, Steve. <laughs> there you go. Man. Um, so yeah, I think I think there was definitely like kind of pros and cons to it, but man, I enjoyed it. I, I always thought it was kind of kind of cool as well, and then it, it definitely gave me like ideas as a kid when I was watching it and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I was just soft TV. I mean, they did the Street Magic one as well. After David Brain had a lot of, um, they, they did the Street Magic one, and I don't mm -hmm. think it. Could I don't think anyone, because uh, knowing the secret doesn't make you a magician. You know, uh, just knowing the secret, you know the secret. You're just a guy in the. I know how that's done. Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's the thing is that you can you can be like, all right, okay. So here's how. I mean, I got Timmy a magic set for Christmas because he's upset. That's how we found you. Is like. He's going around looking for magicians on, on, on YouTube. I have to be really careful what he's fucking searching for on YouTube. Like <laughs> 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 magic, anything, yeah. But all the all the all the all the all the, the, the trick rules are there. There's the instructions. They're complicated. It's like going, it's like going, here's this amazing recipe. Uh here you go. Cook this exactly how Gordon Ramsay cooks it. You know, like he, it takes a, a genius to be able to pull these off correctly and do it cool. You know what I mean? It, definitely. I mean, I, I saw that as well as a kid, you know, the, some of the magic sets, and obviously I've I've 
I bought a lot of magic sets as gifts for people and things over the years, as you know myself. But yeah, I mean the instructions are difficult. They 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 are kind of written in a, they might as well be written in Latin or something. So some of them are very complicated and very kind of over over complicated. Where like if I if I if I did the exact same trick for you and showed you what it was, you'd get it like that. But because you're reading it, it's a bit kind of lost in translation or, or whatever. Um, the only magic sets that are really, really good for kids, and I'm I'm not plugging it just because I, I know I know the, the guys there, uh, I know them really well, but Marvin's Magic in the UK really, okay. really simplify and kind of explain exactly what it is. And also the quality of magic is, is, is quite, you know, it's a really high standard of magic as well. So, you know, you could actually go and perform it where with a lot of the cheaper magic sets and stuff that are out there, you know, you get like, a little plastic cup and you're like what is this what what does this do you know and the cheeky fuckers at home bargains shout out to home bargains right <laughs> then this big box and then you got the little plastic window and it's got all like the cards and the things there and you can oh this 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 set's gonna be massive you pull out the plastic sleeve and where the box had didn't have a sleeve was completely empty Oh, Literally, no. all you got was what you saw in the windows. Like you cheeky fuckers! But half your magic set is fucking gone before you open it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's the magic set. Half your money too. Magic. Like, that was twenty five quid, you bastards. <laughs> well, so I would recommend for any kids watching Marvin's Magic is is a great place to to start off because you will learn. Like you know, if you want to keep it up with more than a hobby afterwards, you will actually learn very strong magic. Seventeen ninety seven on Amazon it is right now, but I That's go to bad. an independent dealer and buy that. That's uh, quite cool. Cool it's set. I, I bought a, I bought my kid a few magic sets just because she likes it, and I think that's awesome. There's, I, I think it's one of those hobbies that. It, it makes you really kind of like it does something for you. It, it teaches you magic one, but also makes you kind of like think how things work. Like you have to kind of put some mind and some real thought process into, okay, so I can do this trick, but how do I make it flary? How do I make it presented? And that's something my kid's trying to learn. Now she's actually like, instead of just saying, look, dad, card, she'd be like, now when you do this, I'm like, all right, all right put on a show, kid. Don't bore dad. I get, I get bored really easy. I have ADHD or some shit. Um, so how does one begin of life as a magician? I mean, it can't can't just be you know as easy as you you woke up one day like i'm gonna do magic it's yeah it's, it's a weird one it was well it was a hobby you know that became a career um my uncle was a was a magician breeds a doctor um and he he's a pediatrician and he used to do anytime i met him as a kid he'd always have a a magic trick he'd have a matchbox he would be at a dinner you know we'd meet him at typical kind of irish thing or 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 anywhere you know you meet your uncle that you don't see all the time either like a wedding or a funeral you know and that's it um, but anytime I didn't meet him, um, he'd have a trick and he'd have a matchbox. I remember one of the first tricks I saw very young, he had a matchbox and he put a match on top of it. He let me pick out the match and I put it on top of the box and then the match just floated about like an inch above the box and he just picked it off and handed it to me. And I was like, what the fuck? So it was just, you know, it seemed... <laughs> He's a witch! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, um, and just seeing it that close, I guess, and just seeing... Kind of, and it was a reaction, I think. I think when I saw Magic as a kid, it was. It wasn't so much the trick. It was the reacting of everyone else around it to the trick, and I. I wanted that. It wasn't that I wanted to be a magician. I wanted that reaction. So, um, and it's funny that you said musician at the start because I used to be a musician. I used to play electric guitar. What well, I still do, but uh, but I, I used to. I used to. So it's funny we were like the crossover. But yeah, I. I just think that. Um, yeah, it was just seeing that reaction and just seeing that visual magic so close, and I just yeah just looked at it kind of went want to do that, and then I suppose the escape side of things. My dad, um, he's passed away three years ago now, but he was a big inspiration to, to my career and, and really driving force. Uh, he was very much one of those guys. He's a mechanic, but he's very much one of those guys. 
you know, do what makes you happy, you know, and kind of please yourself and, and focus on that and whatever it might be, do it, you know? Um, so yeah, so that definitely he pushed the, the escape side of stuff Dad used to do some, um, very fit and stuff. He used to do a lot of boxing and stuff like that and, and things years ago. So that kind of level of discipline and training kind of, I put into my escapes and that's where the, the Houdini stuff came from and Ireland's Houdini and all that and the escapes. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of came from that. So it was a kind of cross between really like loving the reaction and the visual magic and then the disciplines and the things that have to go into to be an escape artist and then kind of fusing both of them together. It's very kind of unique in that way. But I remember seeing the Tony Curtis movie, uh, the Houdini movie, very young with my dad and just being blown away by by the kind of charisma, I suppose, of Tony Curtis. But when I actually started digging into the books of really of Houdini, how good he was at like marketing himself and trying to get people to you know challenge him and all this kind of stuff i, I love that element of it i love that you know um yeah come come get me kind of thing i, I love that when it comes to uh escape being an escape artist and, and you know, these kind of tricks i guess is this a lot of training just you by yourself in a room practicing over and over again or is there like a, a, a magic school you can go to or a drama school where you can sort of incorporate all this to, to practice and learn so definitely at the start, yeah, definitely when I was doing like like sleight of hand and learning all the skill sets as a kid, it was you know discipline as in putting the time in to learn to learn the tricks. And I'd put in hours. I mean, they're like even when I was in school, I was doing like one-handed cuts with a deck of cards under the table. Like I was that kid. Um, wow. And uh, I always had a deck of cards. Everyone knew I always did magic. I used to have like all the you know the city like the finger chopper trick and all you know those. Mm. You know, all that and I'd have all those on me. I remember playing marbles in in a in a you know the marble game and yes. uh, and i was playing marbles. and my dad i was saying he was a mechanic so he gave me this big massive like lead ball bearing you know that like, came out of like a, an engine you know like, the thing was a beast and uh, and i i had it and and you know obviously if you lose you have to give away your your uh your your, your marble so I, I was playing marbles in a way and i was winning and I, this thing used to like crack marbles so i'm not even kidding this thing was a like uh, ridiculous so he's like smashing everyone's marbles and then um I, I, it was. It came to it. I, I nearly lost it, but the guy had this finger chopper, and I was like, "I'll trade you my marble for the finger chopper." And uh, and it was like this whole thing. It was like this is a big drama thing in in school. Um, but I but I remember getting the finger chopper and then winning back the big marble. So it, it was all good. But um, but the stuff. I was always uh, I suppose a bit of a class, <laughs> a, a bit of a class clown about that as a kid. But yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah definitely i definitely was was the one with like a trick in my pocket and i'd be asked on occasion to do tricks and um and yeah and, and if people came over to the house or something it'd be kind of like steve do a trick you know do a trick for uncle tom or do a trick for whoever you know so it was always that you know steve, steve, steve come down come show my mates this thing you can do yeah 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 and uh yeah dad like worked in a garage and and you know like a dealership and stuff like that so if there was ever like it was a toyota dealership and if there was ever like a you know an open day or a you know, new car being launched or whatever, I'd be there doing tricks, you know, so it was like, oh, child so nice. It was like child labor, really. <laughs> <laughs> now watch, watch yourself disappear into this new Corolla. Yeah. Stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. But like car tricks and, and yeah, I just had a massive love for it. It was just a hobby that just took over my life. I remember seeing an interview with David Blaine, very young as well, but I was like 12 and he was starting to get really big on the TV and stuff. And he was saying that like, you don't get into magic, that magic gets into you. And there's never, mm. a, if you're passionate about something, 
you don't it's it's almost like a vocation in that sense you know what trying to shut this girl up while he said that <laughs> oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> now, 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 would you like uh, a little that's, magic another, that's another side of magic we won't go into but um <laughs> back in the day for sure but uh, uh yeah no but it, it is one of those things that you, you you have to be really dedicated especially the escape stuff because like it takes a lot i mean it's one thing learning slights and stuff like that and the worst thing can happen in a card trick is you get the card wrong or whatever, but as an escape artist, if you get the timing wrong, you're dead or you're you're very badly injured or whatever it might be. Um, a good friend of mine, Jonathan Goodwin, who was on America's Got Talent, the Britain's Got Talent, yeah, he, yeah. he did a stunt recently on I think it was America the Champions, and uh, and he fell and he and he has an injury and he's he's out of action at the moment. So yeah, it's it's you you can't you can't kind of I guess what what am I trying to say? I I guess you can't kind of bluff being an escape artist you've got to put the time in you've got to put the work in where there's a lot of magicians that are like i won't say like hack magicians but you know like just everyday magicians that can just buy a couple of tricks and just start doing you know weddings and birthday parties and whatever but if you don't put the disciplines into being an escape artist i suppose that's why you don't see any like semi-professional escape artist you're either good <laughs> or you're so you know, there's, just, there's no there's no in between um, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that because like, I think there's nothing sadder than when you see like bad magicians that are really like, you know, whether they're not really trying or it's not really their passion in life, like something really inherently sad about seeing like, like a magician that's just kind of just doing the thing, but there's something magical about seeing great magicians. I mean, what do you, what do you think it is just a lack of passion for people? Or do you think they just don't want to put in the time for it? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they probably had the passion once, maybe, and it just didn't. Maybe I don't know. It's it, it is a tough one. I mean, like, there's definitely, I like, you know, you don't come into magic or or things that people do for passion or bands unless you could become very successful from from money and stuff. So, like, if the passion isn't there, why are you still doing it? You know, that to be my my question. If you don't enjoy it, why are you still doing it? And there there's a lot. We 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 have a podcast as well. Myself and my friend Dave Peace. Um, called the sea of reality and we we interviewed a lot of magicians globally and we asked questions like that to them as well and and, and you know we, we kind of came to the kind of theory uh with a friend of mine uh from florida joel myers and he's kind of like a kind of a rock star magician that's his whole that's his whole bit you know and he uh he's just like he, what's holding back magic as an art is bad magicians unfortunately there is a massive demographic of magicians that just do a few tricks charge kind of small money do small parties and don't really put the work into you know the the practice in that's needed to pull it off because once they do that trick badly then if they meet me or if they meet another professional magician or whatever your your uh, your kind of anticipation of it being bad is already there you're you're not like if you saw a really bad tribute band if you went to see i don't know your local metallica tribute band and they oh, sucked balls. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and they sucked balls, and you were like, oh, that's the worst thing ever. You'd never go, I'm never going to see like Metallica when they're on tour again. But, but mm. when you see a bad magician, you're like, oh, no, all magic is shit now. That's it, you know? So You've ruined uh, the magic for me, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. People's opinion of seeing bad magic is, is, is a whole demographic. They, they, they just don't like magic once they see it bad. Um, so I think that can be that can definitely be a negative. I mean, I'm always trying to push to do you know bigger things, and I know some people are trying to be great magicians because you know you you'll be remembered and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have the passion, you you, you just won't bother, you know. 
Go on, Tom. No, no, no. I was, I was going to say that. Like, I, I feel like that should make people want to see magic even more, though. Because if you see something, even... no, 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 Metallica. No, 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 no. Um, once, once they played Russia, it was over with, man. Once you play every single continent, you just don't need to do it anymore. Um, I, I think that like seeing bad magic would want to make you see good magic, though. Because if you see something and it slightly interests you, even a little bit, but like, oh wow, that was interesting. I personally would be like, wow, now I want to see somebody do it better or see it in a better form or whatever it might be to make it more interesting. Um, like, you know, if you, if you think back to like uh, when, when Chris Angel was everywhere and fucking like that whole spiel, that didn't make me less impressed with magic. That made me just want to see magic in a different way where I'm like, okay, I don't want to see you do magic, but I want to see somebody else that does it differently do the same stuff because like it, it was, it, that was a weird thing, right? That was a weird phenomenon. I think it was, I think it was the rock star like looks or whatever it might be like is, is he even still doing stuff i haven't heard that name in forever who's that what's his been. name chris angel he was really big in america for like a hot yeah, second he's still big he's still he's still doing shows with big, and, yeah and, and circus soleil and stuff like that yeah i mean he definitely had that kind of image and i suppose that image will sell better i guess to, the, to an american market because it's got that real kind of wrestler vibe and he did a bit of yes. I think was he a wrestler as well i think for a while i don't, I I don't know. know like I I, he doesn't he never interests me. Like I really like as far as like magicians go, like things that really I, I always like Penn and Teller. I thought they were brilliant. I think that yeah. everything they do is daring and and like it, they had great showmanship about it. The fact that like they were jugglers at one point and like the 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 talkative and the non-talk. I think it's I think it's very well done. Who were who are your like inspirations as a kid? I mean, obviously Harry Houdini is almost everybody's, but like who yeah. um really inspired you to want to be like that's what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I only got asked this recently, and uh, I mean, definitely David Blaine because he took that kind of street magic thing and he mm -hmm. made it. Like, obviously, street magic and people performing on the street was out before David Blaine, but because I suppose that endurance element was there and the magic was there, I, I could kind of resonate with that because that's kind of like what I wanted to do, you know, as as a as a teenager or whatever. Um, so definitely David Blaine, and I got to see him um just before the pandemic in ireland he was on tour oh. and live he did his breath holding um and all that and, and the fact that like people are always like oh how does a magician do it and and that's such a cool thing for blaine have because blaine just does it so when you're looking for the methods he's just swallowing frogs and spitting them out like that's what he's like there's no there's no trick to that in a sense that he's learning a skill and then he's doing it um and that's amazing i think i think to put that amount of energy and passion and practice into something is is a real is a real vocation, you know. So Blaine definitely oh, yeah. one. Um, in the UK, you probably remember Alex, uh, a guy called Paul Zellin, who was on uh, Channel Four and and things like that. He was like a kind of a he was a street magician as well, but he had a real kind of kind of cool Jack the Lad kind of a charisma about him. And he yeah oh, he yeah. Was, yeah and early early oh was it probably early probably. With, 20 years ago now but yeah he was uh he was on tv and i used to remember watching kind of staying up late to watch him because he'd be on it like you know i'd be going to i'd be going, getting ready for like going to bed for school in the morning and i'd be watching paul zenon on tv you know i think he he taught me oh, i don't remember it now but back in the day how to um make the the queen frown and smile frown and smile there you go. Spot on. That's the man. That's him. He'd, he'd take a ten pound note and he'd like fold it in specific spaces, and so that there was like a weird effect on the queen's face. And you turn it one way, and she go, and then turn it away. She smile. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. that. You could do it on a dollar as well. You could you could fold. if you get it right through the eye line to the to the edge of the lip to the eye line. That's that'll do. 
Oh, yeah, right. I've got petrol pools down there, yeah. He used to do like pub, pub, um, oh, magic yes. tricks and stuff. Uh, he, had stuff. Great, he had a great book, and I used to advise people to get it all the time because they'd go, oh, I'd love to learn some magic or a trick I could do with the bar, they'd say. And I'd say, you need to buy Paul Zenon's book, How to Win a Tenor. And it was just a book, <laughs> it was just a book full of like bar stunts and bar bets and all this kind of stuff. How to win a drink, how to win a tenor. And like, yeah, great. Um, Amazing. Your name is everywhere. I mean, like you, you put your name in into into Google, and it's just it explodes. <laughs> I'm about to replace three laptops since I started uh, sorting this out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I broke the broke the <laughs> How does a guy from Limerick get your get his name all around the world? How does that happen? What like what did you do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just work hard, man. I mean, if if there's anyone that wants to do magic or anything, um, just put the work in you just practice 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 and just be out there and be be open to to, to saying yes and doing stuff and, and taking risks calculator risks yes. as, a, as a young escape artist i did a lot of stupid stuff um which uh well it is a risk taking but calculated as you get a bit older uh, like my first like escapes like underwater escapes and stuff were like done with just like family and friends and stuff like that but now if I do a stunt now, I work with like uh, movie consultancy, you know, special effects crews and stuff like that. So anything that I do now is really like, you know, there's like a safety statements and your risk assessment and everything. But before it was like, let's jump in the river, be great, you know. So, um, uh, <laughs> so there's definitely there's definitely that thing. Um, you, why you don't see a lot of escapes from magicians in, as a, as a as a whole? Um, the, the red tape of doing escapes has gotten a lot harder, as you can imagine, than houdini's era where houdini would just turn up in your town say i'm going to get out of the the city vault or whatever it might be and he would just do it or he'd just go to the nearest bridge put on handcuffs and jump off it and there was no and everyone just like you know there was no uh you know insurance and yeah and it, your county council or your city councils weren't you know freaking the fuck out because houdini jumped off the bridge you know they didn't care just sold the show and he'd go to the next town and do the next thing so now yeah. it's a lot harder to um, do a lot harder to do. Uh, I mean, I, I would do dangerous stuff every day of the week if I was allowed. And I'm, I'm going to kind of start. I think the the pandemic has kind of got this kind of hunger inside me again to uh, to do some stuff. So we we've actually got three stunts that are to happen were to happen before the pandemic, which have all been uh, kind of held back. So they're going to happen. I hope they'll happen this year, but we'll see. And in the meantime, I had a, a son as well. I'm a, I'm a dad now. So Michael is thanks very much. Uh, I don't sleep anymore, so it's great. Um, <laughs> watch, watch the magic trip of me never getting sleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next week is I'm going to stay awake for a whole year. Um, but, uh, Amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm hoping that'll happen in the next kind of twelve to twenty-four months. We'll, we'll see. What do you think the percentage is of people that go to see an escape artist? The ones that want to see him escape, or the ones that want to see him fail. What do you think that percentage might be? I think it's kind of 50-50, to be honest. I really do. Um, I think everyone wants to kind of experience the escape with you on the basis that they'd like to, to think that they can kind of maybe overcome what's holding them back or, or what's physically or metaphorically like trapping them or whatever. Um, but I think Houdini said it. Like Houdini said, you'll always gather a crowd if there's a, a moment of somebody dying. You know, nobody wants to see you die, but everyone wants to, wants to be there if it happens. You know, and and uh, that's kind of that's kind of what it is. I think there's a, a little bit of human, very human thing, just as that kind of gladiator thing. I guess you know, you you don't want to see people being like barbaric or whatever. But you, if you were there, you're like, 
fuck, that was cool. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? They you definitely would. did, though. They they definitely were like feeding Christians the lions and shit. They were like, oh, it's all about the barbarians back then. That's not that's not cool. No, no, don't get me wrong. But but yeah, you know what don't I mean? do that. Don't do that. Like, yeah, don't do that. If you're listening, don't try that at home. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but there's definitely that that uh, I think people do want to see you succeed, but they also want to see you fail or almost fail. You know the result. They don't want it to be too perfect. What's worse, um, falling off a tightrope and possibly dying, or you know suffocating, or getting a hand, a close ha- like a, a hand trick, close close thing wrong in front of a bunch of girls? What's worse? <laughs> um, they're both equally bad. Um, no, um, you can always segue out of like in, in close up magic. You can segue. I mean. Early on in my career, for sure, a, a trick would go wrong. Obviously, it would go wrong, but, but it would become a new trick. It would become, oh, that bit went, but now I can do it this way. And 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 you kind of develop a kind of a style of it maybe going wrong or meant to go wrong. And then you've got this arc where it's like, oh, my God, it's gone wrong. Oh, look, it's all failed. But hang on, go check this thing. And now, you know what I mean? And now you're, you kind of save yourself. So you kind of deliberately put those mistakes in sometimes to make it so that can kind of kind of happen i rarely i rarely want to get an escape wrong because it's just there's just too much risk and it's not just my risk but there's the crew there's all the publicity around it um nine times out of ten if i say i'm going to do something big it gets a lot of like fanfare so i I don't want anything to go wrong and 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 they, they they can't really because i put an awful lot of like preparation and planning and stuff into it if it goes wrong on the day it's like an act of god it's like out of my hands you know but but it's so well rehearsed and 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 timed. It's all timing, really. Um, it has to be. It has to be perfect. Otherwise, it's just not. I, I mean, I don't want to. Obviously, I don't want to injure myself, or I don't want to injure anyone in the crew. But also, I don't want to be. I don't want to put myself in danger to the point that I'll I'll die or something really bad will happen to me. In and have the audience see that because that's a that's a you know that's, I'm not taking any responsibility, but like that's an awful thing to leave as a memory to someone where. You know, if I if I go nine of diamonds and you go four hearts and I'm like shit, and then we all get on with our lives. <laughs> you know, uh, we all we, yeah, we all get on with our lives. But I'm yeah, sorry, if, something, to... if something terrible happened to me or the crew, you know, it, it'd be devastating. Me and Alex do it all the time. We put out like a really shitty episode of our podcast, and we put out a great one. We're like, oh, magic! Look how much better it is. You know, it's like that little arc. You know, it's what we do. Well, yeah, I know. Um, to, to kind of answer your question, Alex, so I, I actually I don't know how you know it, it kind of spiraled. I just got lucky, I guess. I mean, I did some TV stuff. Um, I got to perform for some celebrities, and that always helps. And I did a thing with Mike Tyson one time. I did a Rihanna after party, and all that just kind of melded together. And then I went to New York and. I lived in Boston for a while. So, yeah, it's been a mixed bag of everything. But the escapes have always been there. So as a magician, I'm kind of branding myself over the last few years. Um, I was kind of against the kind of Ireland's Houdini thing because the media were calling me that. But now I'm kind of embracing it because it's it's a nice thing to be, to be called, I guess. I mean, he is a hero of mine. And uh, the last time I was in New York, I got to go visit his grave in Queens, which was a huge moment just to pay a little bit of respect to a man that I never met. But I feel like I have so much in common with you you really hit on like the actual like namesake of the show. Um, so this is USUK, US UK. Alex is from the UK. I'm from the US, and we kind of always you know talk about the differences. Now, what's the difference between magic in the UK and magic in the US? Is there like a group that seems to appreciate it more? Do you have to do different tricks when you go to different places? Like, what's the feel for that? I think the same kind of reaction in Ireland in the UK, where for magic itself, so I could do the same trick in the UK 
I, I perform in London regularly, and then I do the same trick in New York, let's say. But the reaction I'll get in New York for the exact same trick will be crazy over the top. Like it's the David Brain reaction. It's the oh. and running away. And it, that's not just like TV magic and you just think, oh, everyone's getting paid. They're all an actor. That's not it. I mean, I, I've performed in Times Square. I can send you clips of it and you can share them or whatever. And, uh, and shows in New York. And the reaction is big. And I think it's because there was more really strong magic on TV in America in like the 70s and 80s with like Doug Henning uh, and David Copperfield and, you know, and all those like big shows and like Broadway and, and that, all that energy is there where in, in England and in Ireland, we had like Paul Daniels and stuff like that where it's a cheesy bit more, shit. It's not that it's cheesy. Paul, Paul was a fantastic magician, but it's just that it was more kind of relaxed. Like you want to allow go ape shit where in America, they encourage going ape shit. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. And it, I, I think that's, the, I think that's the crossover really. I genuinely do. Um, UK and Europe can be a bit more kind of reserved and a bit more, you know, that was fantastic. And in America, they're they're gone nuts, you know. I think I think magic's got its own like sort of subgenres, doesn't it? It's got your crazy over the top sexy magic. Then you've got your Darren Brown, Darren Brown sort of mind fuck sort of stuff. Yeah. Then you've got your cheesy stuff that's meant to be cheesy. And then there's the comedy stuff that's meant to look like it's going wrong. You know, it's it's interesting how a, a, a genre of of entertainment has created its own little subgenres. Cool. Oh, it's absolutely it's it's yeah, and and even within that, you mean you've got like close-up magicians, and then you've got like uh, like street magic, which is like a totally different thing. Then there's like busking magic, which is like street magic, but it could be a stunt then as well. Then you've got escapologists that are you know escape artists, and then you've got illusionists, and then you've got hypnotists, and then you've got mind readers or mentalists, which are like the Darren Browns you're mentioning. And so there's mm-hmm. loads of different categories in it. Now all of them are magic in a sense. You know they all had the same disciplines of magic but they're all they're all tiered differently and over the last few years i i've i've done all aspects of magic so i've done escapology mind reading hypnosis shows uh illusions i I, i've kind of done it all and i've always kind of branded myself now uh, as like a master magician because i've done all the different aspects of it and that's something that i've always wanted i mean i remember as a kid you know seeing david copperfield and stuff like that he was a master magician because in the shows he did it all and even if you go see david copperfield now it's funny you mentioned like comedy magic or where it's going wrong is it, people don't know unless you see it live, but like there'll be an illusion and then there'll be a little comedy segment between, uh, you know, Copperfield and someone from the audience. He'll do some like lighthearted trick, we'll say like a close up trick in between the big illusions. So there's this lovely flow of like, oh, it's entertaining. Oh, it's funny. Oh, everyone's enjoying it. Oh, wait, hang on. He's been cut in half. And then, you know, and there's all these lovely moments that even in my own stage shows, there's elements of comedy and there's pickpocketing and there's all sorts of stuff in it. Because you want to give people kind of a, a full rounded performance. Um, I remember listening back to Joe Rogan a while ago, and there was this really cool guy that I never heard of prior to the episode. Uh, it was Bana Banachek, I think. I don't oh, know. Yeah. yeah. Um, he said something really kind of cool, and it, it stuck with me. Is that you know, and with uh, magicians, they inherently have like this, like um, like street kind of love, not street level, because you know it's not street magician, uh, street tricks, but like, um, like Houdini. Houdini would break into places and he would fix the tricks so he'd be able to escape or do something like go into a hardware store and fix the nails and things along those lines. Do you think there's something like in magic that kind of says, okay? you got to take certain risks like that. You got to kind of like bend the, not bend the law, but like kind of bend what people would consider to be right to be able to do certain things. Do you think that's like still a thing that people need to do? Or is it like, you know, it's, it's so well set up now 
that um, like, you know, learning how to pickpocket isn't really part of being a magician anymore. Things along those lines. Yeah, I, I think I think it's nice to kind of dabble in all the bits and then you can kind of figure out. I suppose if you if you're an artist, I guess, you know, like a painter or something and you know all the different techniques of painting. Well, then there might be a chance someday that you'll create something that's never been created before. And I think that if you can mix the genres of magic together uh, and do something, there is a chance that you could stumble. I don't think you, you'd like you consciously go out to find it, but you could stumble across something or a new aspect of it that's never been done. So, yeah, I think it's. I think it is important, it, and um, and I've always enjoyed kind of because I think if you go to see a show, even if you go see Darren Brown, which is really heavy mentalism, and he knows he knows everything about the whole audience, you know, and it's got this like kind of element of power over it, you know. But if you go see him live, there's loads of comedy in it. He's taking the piss with people, and he's there's loads of fun and jokes because if it was all bang, bang, bang. I'm reading your mind. I'm reading your mind. I'm escaping from dangerous stuff. I'm doing all. This. It'd be just too intense. It'd be like watching the most intense movie or the intense show of your life you just couldn't relax you wouldn't know when to react so you need to have that kind of flow where it's like okay now it's funny and now he's doing this and oh look it went a little bit wrong and now it's okay again and you know i, I think you need to perform that way darren brown used to do this crazy shit like he used to like people used to take a handful of change out of their pocket of their jeans chuck it on a pool table and he'd be like there's exactly two pounds 72 there instantly and I'd be like, what? He'd literally be able to count the change in people's pockets just on an instant. And that's the kind of shit that blows my mind because it's it's just instant. What? Like, you know? Instant. It's instant shock because it's like, how could he know that? Thank so you. that actually brings up a valid point. Why is it that things like mentalism is fun and exciting and I love to watch it, but things like – um. Who was that dude that used to speak to dead people? He had a big show um, on like a few things. He, he would say, oh, is somebody looking for a Mary or something on those lines? How come that's so trashy, but mentalism so fucking cool? What's what's the difference? I think back in the like so kind of the vaudeville time, kind of like around the end of Houdini's life, kind of 1920, Houdini in 1926. So in around the 1920s, even before that, I think. Um, there would have been like the Fox Sisters and things like that, and, yes. the yes. and they they would have been big into like spiritualism and and ment you know uh, sorry not mentalism but it would have, it would have been mentalism I guess but it was more like mediumship and things like that and and uh, a lot of it a, a massive amount of it was was charlatan just you know fake stuff I mean they, they were selling these concepts of shows to the, the the elite like if you had gotten to see a medium of that time it meant that you were in very good company. Like you either had a lot of money yourself or, and you could afford somebody like this in your house or you, um, or you knew somebody, you know, like the, the mayor of the city or whatever it might've been. So, um, so I think it was a very, it was a hierarchy thing, you know, nobody really saw it. And I think that kind of legend of it then became a, a bigger thing, but so much of it was like exposed as it being fake. And then Houdini like spent the last, I think about 10 years of his life or so um, just trying to expose fake mediums because he knew, he knew what they were doing. Like I know the tricks they're doing and, and every other magician knows the tricks they're doing, but we don't, we, we can do the same tricks. Like I've done seance shows where you believe you, you, if you were there, you would have believed all sorts, but like, I'm not telling you I'm contacting the dead or whatever. I'm showing you what the fake mediums of the Victorian era did. And for you to believe it, it, it just means that our psyche hasn't changed that much since the Victorian era, you know, if you see it there, like if, if the book page moves in front of you and these things happen, it's very hard to kind of dismiss it when you see it, you know? So I think there's, there was a levels of that, but yeah, it's true. Mentalism, definitely Darren Brown 
has kind of changed mentalism. I think Dar Darren Brown has done for mentalism what David Blaine did for Street Magic, 100%. He's made it edgy and cool. Like, there's a lot of magicians now that want to be mentalists, and they think, I'll grow a smig, and I'll wear a fucking tweed coat, and I'm Darren Brown. There's a lot of that. <laughs> in the same way, in the same way, when Blaine was big on TV, I'll wear a black T-shirt, and I'll get some tattoos yeah. or whatever, you know? So yeah. there, there is a lot of that. Um, I think it's really important as, as a performer just to be yourself and then add whatever characteristics you have as you into you, your performance. Um, there's a really good magician and, and, a, and a, a friend of the, the Sea Reality as well, Michael Amar, and he was like, he's known as like the godfather of modern day magic. He's, he's an absolute legend. And if you, if you Google him, you, you'll find him. Um, but he, uh, he just said that, you know, if you, if you have other passions in your life, if you're, and like for example, like Darren is an artist, so Darren adds his art into his into his mind reading, and that's an incredible thing because you're seeing two skill sets being fused to one. And Michael Lamar said the same. Like if you're into a certain thing, if you can fuse that in with your magic, you're going to be a better magician and a more rounded magician. I suppose early on in my own career, I tried to be other magicians, you know. But over the last, like, I really found myself probably, you know, early on. So I was lucky, but I just became me. I, I don't like conform to what's then the newest thing or whatever i just do i just do me and that's it you know and that's and you can kind of take it or or not <laughs> that's good i mean like trying to be something you're not is is kind of cool to learn but like if you don't you know break beyond that then you're never going to be truly who you're supposed to be and that's really important in life obviously um so as a magician i i actually always wonder this there's a couple movies that came out a few years ago. Um, there was The Illusionist and there was The Prestige. Um, two movies about magic, really, really good movies in their own rights. Um, did you see both of them by chance? Yes, yeah, love love both of them. Yeah, yeah, I love The Prestige. It's a brilliant movie, fantastic. Okay, so that kind of answered. It's so, uh, it's so prompt as well. There's a lot of like negative and rivalry stuff in, in magic even to today. So it's, 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 very, it's very on the button. Although The Prestige would be a fantastic movie, it was about two tennis players or whatever. It, it, that rivalry is, is amazing, you know? You walk into an audition room and be like, you fucking bastards. I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you. Is that what it's like? I mean, like, I imagine it's just... <laughs> you walk into well, an audition room and there's a magician's it's more, like, it's more like... Um, I, I guess it's like... You know, they say, like, imitation is a, is a form of flattery or whatever, but, like, not, not so much. I mean, in the magic world, there is a lot of, like, like plagiarism or like direct just stealing people's acts or their look or their whole wow. um and it happens it happens a lot and i suppose that with things like tiktok and instagram and stuff there's a lot mm. of magic being exposed now and things like that and it's fine exposing a trick that's out there in a book you know if you learned it in a book well then maybe you know it's old enough that you can expose it but if it's a trick where I, like i have friends that are magicians that aren't performers they just develop magic for magicians so TV magicians or whatever, they just develop tons of magic. Uh, and then you can buy that magic or you can, or, or whatever. And, um, or they can consult for you for a show or whatever you might be doing. But sometimes those tricks just get bought by a semi-professional or somebody interested in magic, but they just want the likes or the follows. They'll just open the box, learn the trick, show you how it's done. And that's it. That, that trick then almost becomes worthless. And that's a huge, huge problem in magic at the moment. That's horrible. Do you write your own jokes? Oh, sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. I just, no, 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 no. no. That's, that was actually Second Zach Wilson asked. No, no, oh, no. That was Zach Wilson asked. Do you do you write your own? Do you write your own magicians? Do you do you rely on other people? Like, how do you go about your process? No. So yeah, I write when I'm when I'm working on my show. I, I work with some other magicians, but but um, but yeah, it's primarily like concepts of of my own and things like that. And then obviously, 
you can't like reinvent the wheel. So there is a lot of stunts that will like segue into like Houdini stunts and things like that, but they'd all have my own style or twist or, or whatever to them. I, I don't really do anything straight out of the box. Now, if, if somebody was to do your trick, but give you absolute credit for it, they'd be like, okay, so this next trick I'm going to do, you, you will see Steve Spade do it as, you know, better. I would hope they'd give you a lot of credit for the fact that they're doing one of your, would that kind of flatter you at that point? Cause I mean, obviously it is kind of flattering that they're doing it or, you know, would it be kind of like that motherfucker? He just did my shit. Even if he was giving you the credit. I think, yeah, there is there is crediting in, in Magic. There is. And, I mean, a lot of good performers will, will still credit other performers, and that and that's fine. Um, but it's 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 kind of the – and it's not even kids, but it's just like it, – it's just, you know, I, I guess it's just, a, it's just a new thing. You know, TikTok Magic seems to be like a whole new genre in itself. You know, you can be a TikTok magician now, and that's what you do. And that's fine, I guess, because it has to roll and move the times and, and, and whatever. But if they're just going to expose magic and they're not really creating anything, I, I've always felt with any art, you need to like do what you're going to do in it, get out of it at some point and leave it a little bit better. And if you're not, if you're just going to expose it and just kind of kill all the work that's gone behind you and you don't even know what you're exposing. You don't know the magician who originally created it in 1970 or 1800 or whatever it was. You know, you're just exposing it because you're like, oh, I learned this thing. There you go. And you just you just hit on a point that I think is really why I had to explain to my kid because obviously he's going in this magic phase in the room at the moment. And he watched your trick where you tore up um, a card and then you gave the lady from the band a sandwich and the card was in the sandwich, right? It was in the packaging, right? He loved that, and I was like, "That's true, like that's magic, right?" Whereas he's watching these guys on 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 YouTube that are just glorified video editors you know they're, yes. they're literally, you know and that's not magic to me i mean it's entertaining no. i get it nah, borderline as, as much magic in that as there is in a marvel movie <laughs> yeah there's far more magic in a marvel movie dude there's far more magic and that, that really bums me out thank you for saying that alex because oh. um i've been like my my kid watched a lot of tiktok and she's been showing me magic tricks on tiktok i'm like dude that's not magic i'm like that's that's like manipulating the camera to achieve something that's not the same thing as you steve or david blaine that goes out on the street and does magic like blows people's mind magic you're just entertaining for like 30 seconds of whack by taking a like a see-through tube and just kind of like holding it in front of the camera just enough so you can see the can floating and that bums me out does that does that bum you out as a magician i know you kind of touched on it a little bit but does that i mean not to disparage anyone i don't want to disparage yeah, anyone you know I, don't want... yeah, I, I think it's no better than like a like a prank or like a science trick or whatever i mean it's still cool in its sense but like you're not going to go see a 30 second TikTok magician for a two hour stage show. Cause like, no. what the fuck is he going to perform? You, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, so, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe there is, man. Maybe, maybe there is, you know, maybe the next plane or whatever is going to come out of that world when they realize maybe I need to learn the real skills. Maybe I need to, yeah, I, I, I maybe. don't know. I, I would okay so yeah if they do take the skills that they are starting to build and all that type of stuff and like the showmanship of it all if they were to take that and move on beyond that that that's something completely different but the people that completely rely on the likes and the shares of like their 30 second video their minute video of them achieving something that one took really no thought process i'm sure a real magician like yourself sees that and you're like oh that's dumb like that you don't even have to show the other side of it because you know just based on sleight of hand how you could achieve something similar. Do you ever give uh, people more credit for things like that than they deserve? Like, you'd be like, oh, wow, I bet you he's doing this and this and this. And then it turns out and you show it sideways, you're like, oh, that motherfucker, he just cheated beyond 30 <laughs> steps and got to where he was. I think, I mean, you know, as a magician, you you love that element of kind of like deceiving the audience. Like, if it makes me watch it even second time, 
I, I'm saying like, okay, he kind of got me, you know, or whatever. And I like that. I mean, as a magician, you you give away the right to be wowed. You that's one thing you lose as a magician because once you know all the skills or, or a lot of them, it's very very rare that you get fooled. Like, and when you do get fooled, it really hurts. Like 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 it hurts bad. Um, and even like magicians that go out of our way when we're like friends with magicians, we go out of our way to fool each other because we know how hard it is to fool each other. Um, and it, it can and it can be fun that way, where where you know that if you're fooling another magician or if you're working on something or something for a show or like it is the ending of the new show, what do you think? And they're like, I have no idea that you, you fucking got me kind of thing. When then you like, you know, it's ready. You know, it's ready for your audience or whatever. So it's it is important to to kind of have that. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's all just a phase. You know, it's it's no different than like fucking Pokemon cards or po or pugs or whatever the fuck. You know, it's gonna be a oh, new thing. My man, Steve, I love you so much right now. There's actually a whole show based on that. Um, it's Penn and Teller fool us. Like they yes. have magician. Yeah, have you ever watched that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. I love um so you must understand like the um the the words like okay it's the phrase it's not phrasing what the fuck am I trying to say here like they they use terminology for based on tricks they'd be like oh you're using this technique that other magicians understand and obviously the layman like myself or like Alex we don't understand it at all we're like uh what the fuck's he saying so when you watch something like that and you hear the terminology are you kind of jiving with them are you following the whole thing you're like oh I understand what they're saying does that all yeah. speak to you yeah, I know. No, sometimes they're they're if if you know you, you you know they're very obvious if you know. But but like but they are very clever in it as well because they're not there to expose your trick. And yes. they're even though they have exposed like the cup and balls and and stuff they do with see through cups. That's very much pen and teller style that will still fool you. You may know how it's done, but we're still going to get you. And I, I love that. You know, that's really that's really powerful. You know, it's very hard. People don't give uh, Tommy Cooper a lot of credit in in the UK because. He was like a big, you know, big loud man, and, and and the tricks were always wrong. But he was actually a quite a good magician. He had to be able to do them correctly to do them badly. And it, it just it kind of segues into something that I we, we could talk about. Where recently I was working on a movie, and I, I had to teach an actor how to do a coin vanish for a scene. Um, and he uh, the, the scene was he had to vanish the coin and with, with his dialogue. It had to like be timed with the with the dialogue, and uh, he had to do it wrong. But I had to train him for a few weeks to get her spot on. So it was like seamless, like like flawless. And then he had to learn how to do it wrong. And he couldn't have learned how to do it wrong unless he was able to do it perfect. And that's, that's, that's the difference with that. You know, he couldn't just fluff it doing it wrong. He had to learn it really, really well and then almost relearn it and do it wrong. Because otherwise the timing would have been totally off. Um, so I, I, think, I think people who pretend they can't do it are usually really, really good. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, is is there a trick out there that you, you still don't know how it's done and it's burning you inside? <laughs> is there no, there's always it. Mean, there's me with with the podcast as, as well. In our own, we have magicians on all the time, and nine times out of ten, after the podcast, they might show us something they're working on or whatever. And every now and again, man, we're we're getting hit with something where it's an old concept or it's used in a different way or whatever it might be, and it just gets you for that minute. You're like, ah, uh, uh, you know. But just that that little moment is enough, you know. I think that little, little bit of moment of of being fooled again is great because we we're all magicians are in it, I guess, because well, it, they have a passion for it or or you know, they, it's their job or whatever it might be. But I think you're in it because you, you were once fooled really bad, and now you you want you want to do that. You want to do the other other either have that feeling in other people. Cause I can, if I'm in my stage show or if I'm writing my show, 
I can decide what way I want the audience to react. So if I want them to be emotionally drawn in and sad or whatever, this part or hyped up or full of energy or whatever, that's all in, in my delivery. So I can, I can kind of manipulate what way the audience are going to react to what I'm doing. And that's a, that's a cool thing. Like music doesn't really have that in a sense. You can do a sad song and try to pull that emotion, but you, it, magic is kind of a different art in that sense. Um, see, I find that extremely one, extremely interesting. Um, as a because you're a podcaster as well, and because you're a magician that you know goes on stage and does that, um, everyone knows like some of the current magicians we know who's really great. Who are the upcoming magicians that you would recommend people kind of keep their eyes peeled for? Like they should be looking towards. Well, Steve Spade's obviously you know he's already established. You are an established magician. You're you know very well renowned. So I mean, but like who's the next generation of people that we should be trying to like, keep our keep our eyes looking towards the sky for? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's some comedy guys, which I know you were talking about, like, it's either really good magic or it's comedy or whatever. And it's very rarely both. But there's a guy called Piff the Magic Dragon. Yes! Yes, funny. he's brilliant. But I love Piff. And I, and I he, of course, he's very established. But I think there's more. I think there's more to come with him. I think he's not just that one dimensional character because before he was Piff, he's, he's quite a good magician. He's, you know, he, he is a magician in his own right. And that little hook, I mean, I like, I, I love to think that at one stage, somebody, had to, you know, he he bought that costume and went, I'm going to be a, a magic dragon. And his mates must have been like, are you fucking mental? You know what I mean? Uh, and it must have been that kind of like, no, 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 really, I'm going to do this. And he believed in it. You know, and I love that. I love, I think we have enough, we have enough street magicians. We have enough guys trying to be, you know, some other guy. Um, I've never wanted to be Houdini. It's just the things I'm doing are dangerous and it's stunts. So I guess the media are going to call me Houdini. I mean, there's, there's a Houdini of whatever everywhere, I would imagine, it, to, to the press, you know. Um, but I've always just wanted to do what I want to do. And if, if some stuff segues into other per, other kind of performances that you might have seen before, it'll always be a little bit different. Um, it's a hard one, man. I mean, there, there's loads of guys. There's loads of undercover, like underground guys that are coming up along that, you you, you know, you wouldn't know their names and, and stuff. But they're really skilled magicians, you know. They're like, And it's not like you're saying a like quick... 30 second tricks it's like really skilled um so and, and another part of magic which it, it's not really talked about much is is like females in magic there is not a lot globally uh internationally famous um you know uh females in magic and there was a girl um that was on britain's got talent emily england she's a roller skate um act with her brother but she's uh she's passionate about magic and she's actually gone back over to vegas to work on her show so Wow. That could be one to watch out for, you know, because it'd be great to see, uh, you know, a David Blaine equivalent in in the female world. It'd be it'd be incredible. Uh, what'd you say your name was? Emily England? Did I get Emily that? Yeah. All right, cool. I'll reach out to her if I can. I mean, if you, if you have a recommendation for you, man, I'm, I mean, it's definitely worth checking into because I, th I think you're right. When I think we, about we, it, it is it is. We were blown away with her story for sure. You know, just the, the passion that she had. She grew up with the circus. She's got all that kind of discipline and stuff. And then she reached out to people like Rocco, who was a, a really famous uh, American magician and a very cool kind of. He's a FISM world champion, and and that's like the Oscars of of, of magic. And uh, uh, yeah, we had him on the podcast too. But he he um he he's very passionate about like that kind of new new style of magic, but keeping it. You know, you have to learn from the greats. You have to know the Houdini magic and the Maximilini and all that stuff to be able to develop it. Like even like Copper, Copperfield knew it, uh, David Blaine, any of the guys that you know their names firsthand, 
they've all learned it from the masters. They've learned it. Mm. You know, it, it, you have to dig into the books and you have to put the work in. And um, and I mean, I I've I've respect for for magicians who don't want to do that. If you just want to do private shows and parties and weddings, whatever, that's fine. But if you want to, you know, go global and do bigger things and shows and 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 push yourself, you have to learn all. You have to put in the time. It's no different than if you're a, a doctor or anything else. You just have to you have to study. It's different because there's no real direct course for it there's magic schools all over the world but you still have to put the hard work in um you mentioned your uncle in the very beginning you said that he was um he was a doctor and that he was also like did some uh, magic you know on the side um now did he ever get to see you perform when you're at the, um like at the height of your yeah. popularity did he get to see you become steve spade the magician yeah yeah he did yeah he got to see me at some competitions early on and stuff with that some like irish competitions and magic and things yeah yeah he did for sure and then oh, even excellent. Even as I, I I was doing some TV stuff and I had a residency on TV on a on a talk show and I was on every every second week so they'd have a different guest and they'd have me on on set and uh, and he used to like even advise me then he'd uh, and he and he still does a little bit of magic he's still a doctor um oh, but he okay. used to do older books and he'd highlight you know this is a good trick try this one out or whatever and every now and again so we still talk a little bit of magic every now and again but not as not as much as as I'd like but I've had some great mentors over the years as a guy. In the states, called Morgan Strepler, who's like a, a metal bender. He bends forks and spoons and all that kind of oh, like cool. together. And uh, and he's a very very cool kind of character as well. And uh, and a guy in Ireland, Tony Sadar, who was like the first Irish TV magician. Um, he's in his eighties now, but yeah, we've been friends for for years. And he's advised me with different stuff, and it's great. It's great to uh, and even even locally, there's another magician, Padini, and uh, and he was like a, like when I was a kid, you you'd go see his show. And only recently, there was a prop I couldn't get. I just couldn't get it. They don't even manufacture it anymore. And I messaged him, and he's like, yeah, I've got two of them. I'll send them to you in the post. <laughs> Excellent. So, so what's that feel like when uh, when you when somebody that you look up to kind of like, you know, says like, oh, I enjoyed that, or like, oh, I, I really – I saw that the, you did this trick, and I thought it was well done. What's that feeling like? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels great. It feels like, you know, when, when you're getting when you're getting admiration, I guess, from the public, it, it's fantastic because they're your fans and they, they come to your shows and whatever. But when you're getting it from your peers, you know you're doing a good job because they don't, they're in a position that they don't have to tell you you're good just for the sake of it. or they, And they know more, you know, you're, you know getting a, a compliment from your peers is always going to be better because because they know what you put in or the, or the work they know the value of it i guess um where i think a lot of younger magicians especially even now with the virtual world where everyone was at home and did virtual shows i think younger magicians got this ego that they were like the best thing since sliced bread but the reality was virtual shows were very new people didn't really know what's good or what's not good you know what i mean and you're just being told if you're just being told you're good all the time you're never read like it's better to have that friend who goes you know what man that was kind of shit you know, and, and I, <laughs> I think it's very important. You know, I really do. Um, how, do how do you do with that fat kid at the party? It's like, I bet there's a door that drops out the back. It's not really magic. It's always that one person that's kind of like trying to. Why are you calling me out right now, Alex? I only said it <laughs> once, and that was a, I was a schmuck. And... That, that was bad to call a kid fat as well. It could be anybody. It could be the, the, the boring guy in the group. How do you deal with people like that? Yeah, it's it is a tough one. It's kind of situational, though. To be honest, um, it kind of depends on 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 the the grounding. It, like if it's like I've done comedy clubs and I've done shows that college shows and you know all that kind of stuff. And if it's the right kind of show, yeah, you could kind of say whatever, you know. But uh, but if it, you you have to kind of calculate it in in a run. Sometimes you can you can flip it. You you kind of have to work out really quickly why they're giving you shit. So are they trying to be 
an alpha male or whatever or so you can either play to it you can make them the star or or you can you can tear them down you know uh, it's it's totally up to you and it, it depends on, on the scenario you know but um i you know I, i've done all sorts of stuff you know but like oh just take out any card now if it's a four diamonds you're just gonna shut the fuck up okay and then they as simple as that in in the right setting you know but if it's a more <laughs> corporate event or something you're not gonna you're not gonna do that but yeah you, you just kind of work around them. obviously if you're just into the trick and it's not really like working for this group, you don't really know why, you don't know, you know they could have had just bad news or could have had a bad day or whatever, and they might not be there to see a magician. So you just have to, you know, kind of respect that and, and move on, but segue around. But yeah, I mean, you can have heckler stoppers when you're on stage. You can, you can do all sorts, you know, it, it's very rare though. It's rare if they see you perform and, and you're at a standard, obviously early on in my career, yeah, people would try to have a go off you kind of thing. But I think if they see you, you know, doing your thing and they know that you're doing your thing, it's rare now that I I, I get it. And if I do, you know, I, I can I can stop it pretty quick. I have a few hacker stoppers that are great. I'm not gonna lie, Steve. With your permission, I'm gonna steal that from you so I can use that with my kids. Be like, okay, if it's forest diamonds, you can go to fuck to sleep now, right? Because that's just fucking brilliant. That's my favorite thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, is it a mistake to try to like when when that situation does arise? Is it a mistake to try to play more to them to try to make them more mystified to kind of you know not trick them? But is it a mistake to try to make them believe more in the show because obviously you know they're not really feeling it, or is it just better? just to kind of like move on and just kind of like you know say all right he's not feeling it that's fine lock him in that box and be like if you, if you don't shut the fuck up i will actually cut you in half. <laughs> <laughs> um you know it, it's a funny one it, it's just it, it really depends on, on the kind of scenario like it's worse if there's like one guy in the group let's say but there could be 10 people at the table and everyone's enjoying it except that's one guy you know yeah. and then you're like you're you know nearly nine times out of ten his nine friends were going to turn on him and be like Man, shut up. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you can play to them and just kind of ignore him. And then by the end of it, he wants to get back in. And you're like, you had your moment and now it's gone. You know, so you, you can just kind of it just takes experience. It just takes time. And, and it's like comedians that, you know, know what to say exactly to someone when they shout out a heckle. And uh, and then there's nights when when I used to comedy clubs and things before in the college shows, it's the nights you don't get heckled. You're like, oh, I really had a good comeback for in, just in case I had. And then you don't get to use it or whatever. So it's <laughs> It's nice. Like, like, for example, one that I use a lot was um, someone giving you a lot of shit or whatever. You just say something like, "What? Did you not have Christmas? You, you had no Christmas. Oh, were well, you never hugged? You know." And and then I get the whole audience to hug this guy. You know, and and <laughs> just comedy club and, and college gigs. You know, you can get away with stuff like that. You know, there's there's nothing worse at like me and the wife. We we got three kids. We don't you know we don't get a lot of time out. There's nothing worse than you know going to like a, a magician or going to a comedy show and then having somebody ruin the whole thing for you just by like trying to put their two cents into it because they never got enough attention like growing up. There's there's nothing worse than that. Like if you if you're going if you're paying your money, I don't know if that's what makes them feel entitled to be able to say and do whatever the fuck they want like no i paid my i paid my 20 bucks i can say this it won't be a big but like as a person that just went to be entertained there's nothing worse than that yeah it's true no i mean, I mean to be honest i prefer them to say it at the show anyway than like troll it to you after the show or whatever on your social media so um yeah Ooh, that's another good point. I, just, I just kind of ignore it to an, to an extent and i think you have to as a, as a professional you just kind of let you know you've got the microphone you know remember that you know they have to shout pretty loud to over to, to drown you out. It's true. Um, what's uh, what's Limerick like in way of audience? I mean, my my um, 
My dad lives in Bantry Bay, and um, I've, I've been there a few times. And you go to the pubs and stuff, and there's like it's a tourist place. There's tourists that come in. They they play for the tourist audience, and that's it. It's a new audience all the time. Is it like that in Limerick? Is there a constant revolving audience of tourists that you can just perform to? Yeah, yeah, there, there, there would be. I mean, obviously, with the pandemic, it's been a bit strange, you know, but over the years. There's like a big castle here, King John's Castle, and, and things like that. And yeah, there's plenty of tourist attractions around, so it draws people in. Um, I, I did a stunt actually one time at King John's Castle. It was like a burned alive thing, like at the stake, like a Joan of Arc. Um, it's something I always wanted to do. And it's funny because it's like I, I'm big into like visualizing, you know, what I'm going to do in the future and stuff. And only about, about three years before that, I was interviewed by the local paper. And they were like, what would you love to do? And I was like, oh, I'd love to do this like, burned alive illusion thing at King John's Castle. And they were like, oh, yeah, cool. Let's look. You know? And that was it. And, uh, and nothing that I ever said about it. And then it just kind of happened. It just kind of, you know, nothing, it didn't come from that article, but it just kind of was able to, a few things kind of lined up and, and the stunt just kind of happened. But, yeah, no, Limerick, Limerick is great. You know, hometown is, is, is always good. Uh, it's great to be away and then come back. You know, you always get that bit of extra fanfare when, you, when you're away. It's like a... I think Bono said it. You have to go away and be famous, and then come home. <laughs> is um is there like a trick, like a like not a basic trick? I don't want to use that as that terminology. It's not really good. Um, is there like a trick that every single magician should learn when they start when they're starting up to kind of like um teach them like the not just the basics, but like like basically if you can't figure out this trick, if you can't accomplish this trick, you're not gonna be able to do the rest. Is there something like that out there that like beginners should an, know? An initiation trick. Yeah, initiation trick. There you go. Perfect. Thank you, Alex. I I think. For, so for a lot of the societies and clubs and stuff globally to, to to join, you know, you need to be able to do tricks with common day objects. So you need to be able to do a trick with like a pen or a coin or a ring or something that you can just pick up off the table because there's nothing worse than like meeting a magician and be like, oh, do a trick. And be like, oh, I've got I've got nothing on me. I don't have my cards or whatever. But then you're a magician, so you should just be able to do magic, you know. And I think That's if you are if you are a magician in the, you know, wizard sense or whatever, um, you know, you'd kind of ask yourself, would you really be doing card tricks if you could really do magic? So I think there's a nice kind of line there where you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, but yeah, I mean, if you can just do tricks with everyday objects, if you can pick up anything and make it vanish kind of a thing, that's excellent. What you should or, or blow yourself up in a caravan. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll see a caravan, you know, bring them around and blow yourself up. What part of um, we're, we're running very short on time, but like, uh, you spoke about like clubs and, and things along those lines, not like playing in clubs, but like ma magician clubs. I, yeah. I always remember hearing about the, the club out in Vegas. There's like this big magician's club. The only magician's allowed to go into. Is that actually a thing? Or is that just something that's, you know, normal people hear about? No, man, there's, there's clubs like that all over the world. Um, there's, um, there's private only clubs. There's members only clubs. There's societies of clubs. Um, yeah, there is. There's a whole kind of Harry Potter hidden handshake kind of work. <laughs> nice. And uh, and it, it's it's cool, man. It is like I'm 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 a member of the the Global Association of Escape Artists, and I'm the only oh, Irish yeah. member, which is pretty cool. And um, you you have to, you, to to get in, you have to like show them all your body of work, and then four higher members decided you could come in or not. You know, so there's wow. there's a lot of that. I mean, that's not a club. That you can kind of join, you know, so a midnight's house in uh, Constantine, two yeah, frogs yeah. on a bench. <laughs> there is, there, there's uh, there's lots of different societies and there's different groups and and then there's obviously a, a public side of it as well where you like conventions, you know, there's magic conventions and there's different things that you know if you have an interest in magic you can go to. But there is there is um, kind of 
organized groups as well of, of different because some of it is is they're not willing to share you have to be at a certain standard to get certain secrets and certain methods and stuff um we always kind of we we always kind of end this with especially with people like yourself that are really good at things like i mean you know that, that sounds so generic you're really good at things steve great job um but <laughs> the, we always kind of end it with thank you steve there there's certain things that we always kind of end it with which is usually like if you were to give advice like if if we brought timmy out here which is alex's son if we brought my daughter Ileana out here and we sat him down in front of you and we said please give them a piece of advice on you know how to be a good magician what would that advice be not even just magician, but just be true to yourself. It takes a long time for you to be comfortable kind of in your own skin. And then once you are, you will be the best whatever you want to be, really, magician or otherwise. And I think that's a huge, huge thing. And if you learn that sooner than later, it's it's better for sure. Um, and it's just discipline. If you, if you really want to do it, if you really want to put the work in, and if you want to be... I, I like the idea of like legacy. You know what I mean? I love I love the idea of you're leaving something. You know, you're leaving some. Oh, I met that guy once, and he did this crazy fucking thing. You know, and I, I just even that, even that one story will be enough. And um, and I, I think that I think that's really important. If you want to, you know, leave something that's not just a, uh, you know, obviously you can leave family and you can leave you know kids and you can leave all that, but it's nice to leave just some little bit of legacy around your name and and I and all the greats have. You know, I mean, we will be talking about. David Blaine in in a hundred years time, and they'll be talking about Houdini for sure, and and Houdini was such a good publicist and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they will talk about him, and and it's great. You know, even like for example, Meatloaf just just passed there recently, yes. and it, it, all the stories are coming out about his life now. But I didn't know them when he was alive, and I would have kind of appreciated him a bit more. But it kind of you have to he has to he has to pass for the stories to come out. You know, so um, yeah, it's one of those things. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like do um, to yourself, hundred percent, and not being happy with the birthday parties and the and the little. I think like I feel like you need to take that next step, haven't you? You got to take that leap of faith. Is yeah, yeah, if you want to get to a certain level, but if you don't, I mean you'll make a happy living, you know, and you'll be a local celebrity or whatever. Hundred percent. If you want to do that, do that. But if you want to push yourself, it's, it's no different than like you know a rock star or an actor or whatever. You know, you can be. Mm the top dog in the drama group or you can be a hollywood movie star it's totally up to you and and whatever wherever makes you happy you know some people that are there in that safe zone are very happy and that's fine you know mm, amazing well it's very well uh, said steve where can people find your stuff if they want to watch your sort of portfolio or your your your, yeah. your backlog of tricks where can they find you sure so the website is stevespademagic.com and on social media, it's Steve Spade, or if you type in Steve Spade or Spade, you'll probably find me. And uh, on Google and Instagram is Steve Spade, and the like page, which is like the fan page on Facebook, is Spade Magician. So yeah, you'll find me through all that. And when like COVID is gone and stuff, and whatever, will you be touring? Is there any any plans to tour yeah, in the UK? Know, or? Yeah, there's talks of some 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 shows and stuff. Yeah, all lined up. There's so much has been postponed and things um, and pushed back. But I was able to segue and do some virtual shows. I did shows in Australia and Canada all through the pandemic. So, um, and, and, and actually did two in London just before Christmas. So, yeah, no, it, it was good. It was nice to, it was a challenge as well, man. It was it was a nice thing to be able to um, just kind of dip your toe in something new. And I think it, it's, it's here to stay as well. I think uh, one thing from the virtual world is that now you could pop on a call with someone anywhere uh do a virtual conference with them do a trick with them or whatever and you know do something you did in your virtual show and then still say i'll see you in three weeks at your live event and i think that's a nice 
thing that you can perform something mm. small and still still do that you know so yeah I, I think it's fair to say it's a great medium and guys as well you know thanks for reaching out and with the podcast and everything i think it's so important to share you know as, as artists and as you know in, in the media it's, it's so important just to share your thoughts because even though you might be watching this and like i'm no interest in magic maybe some things i said can resonate into other other art crafts that's very kind of you to say first of all thank you thank you um but like i i think it's i i, I don't know anyone that would not want to listen to this because like well, like you said even if they're not really interested in the ma magic at all the the thing that we always try to get to the bottom of is <clears throat> different cultures different people different life stories and yours is different you know and i think that's you know very important for people to hear so they don't make assumptions or they don't you know take guesses on how people became people that's why one of the most important questions we always ask is how did you become who you are it's it's a life story that we're basically just ongoing every single week we tell somebody else's and yours is very very cool man i really appreciate you sharing it with us yeah no no absolutely anytime absolutely um so i, I gotta say i'm very excited i would i can't wait i hope you tour america soon i, I would definitely put throw down my I mean, my two pence to go see fuck it. america if you come to the midlands <laughs> in the uk <laughs> give me a shout steve uh if you especially if you come to shrewsbury i mean we've got a nice big theater here um <laughs> in castles in castles all right You've been you've been very gracious with your with your time, Steve. Do you, are we ready to do this, Mister um, Alex Wiley? Yeah, I wanted to do one more thing for us, if you don't mind, Steve. Uh, this is one thing I've, I've put to Tom, and we haven't done it yet. You don't know who our next guest is. You don't okay. know who we're speaking to next. But can you ask them a question, and we'll we'll play it to them, and Ooh. then we'll answer your question. Oh, that's very cool. Um, I love that. Um. Ooh, on the spot. I know, right? That was brilliant, Alex. Where did you pull very that good. from? You magician, you. <laughs> I'd have a guess kind of who kind of person it would be. So my question would be, um, were you more inspired by males or females in your life? Ooh, ah, excellent question. Oh, look at that. You put him on the so spot. A mystery a, guest. He, he pulled a rabbit out of his hat with a fucking great question. That's amazing. <clears throat> okay. Right. Okay. We're ready to, we're ready to go, but thank you so much, Steve. Uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you to our listeners. I don't know if you see my ring. Oh, sh no. What is, what is that? I can, I can see like there's dimples in it. Like, yeah, it's, okay. like, it's like a fan of cards. I got it in, uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, it's just a ring. Okay. You watching here, please? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Something small. You did the well, thing. See, I wasn't gonna bother asking like that. I felt like that'd be really like rude to be like, "Hey, can you do a trick for us?" But you did it. Yeah, my good, kid's so happy right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like we we spoke to Carol Baskin. We were like, "We're not gonna talk about Tiger King. We'll talk about tigers and conservation." Because like yeah. it's like it, we don't want to be like perform monkey perform. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's because you didn't ask. It's because you didn't ask. Yes, oh, the reverse. See, that's my mentalist right there. I was like, if I don't ask, you'll do a trick for us. <laughs> no, I'm not, not at all. Not at all. Very weak mentalist over here. Well, guys, you know, send me the link or, or uh, tag me in whatever, and I'll share it out all over my social media feed. Thank, Thank you so much. Uh, you, number, we're connected and stuff. Uh, anytime you want to come back on, give us a shout. Please, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And if you want any more crazy people, I know a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, excellent. We love we like crazy, crazy people. We like crazy people. Oh, yeah, we, oh, like we crazy love people. crazy people. The crazier the better. It's it's phenomenal. <laughs> um, so hey guys, thank you very much for uh watching. Um, hey, by the way, if you enjoyed this show, you can find all of our amazing content at uh yousucknetwork.com. That is where all the shows are, and that'll be this show, uh You Suck with um Alan Tom. We have amazing guests like Steve Spade right here, you know, not always magicians, sometimes it's a conservationist, sometimes it's you know, it, we bring on everybody, so there's a whole litany of people that you can check out voice actors the whole nine uh we also have a show every single wednesday night thorskin and that is with uh moose cooper david raby and uh alex whiteley over here it's a live show they do it every single week it's fun hilarious they have butt chug island which is where they kind of like throw things under butt chug things they want to get rid of uh what was the last one that you got rid of alex uh we got rid of uh wasn't logan it was logan paul um, <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> anything you want to throw on Butcher Island. It's basically like room 101. You, what do you want to throw on there? We discuss and we, we decide between us what we're going to put on there. So cool. there's there's lots of fun to be had on uh, the new Thor skin, which used to be called Wednesday Night Live. Um, all of this is on usetnetwork.com, like I said. And if you like the way that usetnetwork.com looks, you have, just don't thank us. We didn't make that. It was the good people over webwatch.com. Webwatch.com, guys, they are a website building business. That's what they do. They don't make, uh, you know, pogs. They make websites, and they're very, very good at it. They, I, I love that you said pogs, Steve. Um, I'm in the resume. I'm like, you guys want to play pogs today? And they're like, what the fuck's that? I'm like, shut up. Go to bed. Here's a four of diamonds. <laughs> um, um, so they make fantastic, beautiful websites that are functional and they are easy to manipulate, um, to maneuver. Like you, you, you know, they are professionals. That's what they do. So if you uh, if you want a fantastic website to you know, like promote your OnlyFans, wherever the fuck it is, you know, reach out to them and tell them that Web the guys over you suck sent you. This has been a magical episode of um, you suck, ladies and gentlemen. I've been Tom Bruno. I've been Alex Whiteley. And See you soon, guys. All the best. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Bye. Peace out, guys. All right. Listen up, spuds. This is Zach Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck with Alan Tom. Your one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah.